0: What is up, guys? James Gutman here on HiPod am Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is Friday. It is St. Patrick's Day. It is two years since I had COVID, and it is another edition. I want to thank you guys for joining me here today. I want to thank you for always tuning in, whether it's HiPod, dad.com any streaming service where podcasts are offered, I'm offered. So thank you for accepting my offer. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, been an interesting week, man. I had a, a stomach bug Earlier this week, I feel like I still kind of have it a little bit, so I'm, I'm dragging, as they say, but I'm I'm moving forward, and that's what's important. Uh, a lot of big things this week, a lot of different things I had to take care of. My son had his CSE meeting, committee for special education. Always a difficult meeting, and not even because of anything that happens. The whole meeting is positive. Everybody's happy. Everybody's, you know, he's a great kid and he's wonderful, and it feels good. But still, there's a part of you that just. I don't know, kind of eatsy a little bit when you hear about sometimes the things that he's not doing or we're talking about life skills. that at this point, uh, at an earlier time in my life, I would never have imagined that I would be talking about when he's rounding 12 years old. You know, Um, my son is nonverbal. Lucas is nonverbal. He's 12, doesn't tie his shoes, doesn't really know his alphabet, has never said a word, um, requires a great deal of help to do things. However, there are small improvements. And I don't even want to trivialize it by saying small, because what ends up happening is these small improvements that he makes all come together to become big improvements. Like we're at a point now where I can tell him to go downstairs and get his cup. And nine times out of 10, he's going to come back with a cup. The other day he was in his room. I had to get a pair of socks on the floor. I just took my hand. I did the, the little Pac-Man with my hand and he saw me and he picked up his socks and he handed them to me. So things like that are are big bridges of communication and they didn't happen overnight. They didn't happen in one foul swoop. They were little pieces all put together that we figured out how to do and they worked. And it was a beautiful thing. And the reason I'm telling you guys about this, I wanted to talk about a blog post I did this week and how it applies to the CSE meeting that I just had. The blog post that I wrote about was the signs uh, that made me think my baby might have autism. I wanted to put that out there because people have asked me, what was it? That made you think that. And the short answer is he didn't talk. Everyone says something. we well, didn't speak. And when he was first beginning to show delays, that was the thing. Any professional, any teacher, anybody who came to me and said, well, what do you want to focus on? I want him to talk. Well, what else do you need to do? Just talk. Make him talk. That was the biggest thing for me. And if he didn't talk, to me, it was a failure. We had to get this kid talking. As I just said, this is years later. He's 12. Doesn't talk. But he has not been a failure. I haven't been a failure. We have not failed together. There were so many other things besides actually talking that he needed to do. He needed to learn how to communicate and he knows how to do that. He uses his device. Are there deeper concepts he can learn? Yes. Are there things that he really can't tell me? He can't tell me I'm sad or, you know, I'm afraid or let's watch tea. things like that. He doesn't do, but he could request things. I want popcorn. I want pizza. Um, he says hello, he waves, things like that. All of these communication things that I thought were gonna be impossible when I heard nonverbal and I learned were not impossible. I learned that they're quite possible. They just happen in steps and they're things that we have to be ready for and they're things that we have to accept need to be taken care of. And that is the point of this podcast here today. That blog post I wrote about on Wednesday about suspecting that he might have autism was one that pulled me back to a time that I haven't been to in a long time. And it was that worry. It was those days early on when I would stare at this kid and be like, why, why is he doing that? What is, oh, what is that? What is he doing? What is he?" Days where I would go behind him when he was little and I would go, Lucas, Lucas, just to see if he would turn around because a part of me thought maybe he's deaf. I used to hope when he was really little that he was deaf, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life. And it was a disappointment at the time when I found out he wasn't. I brought him for testing. I sat there. I'm like, this is it. He's deaf. It's fine. We're just going to get it taken care of. We'll get a nose ear implant. No, he wasn't deaf. Trying to figure out why he was clapping, why he was walking the way he was, why he was looking at things the way he was, why he was making the noises he was. I couldn't figure any of it out. All I knew was that I did not want it to be autism and I could not talk to anybody about it because if I said it out loud, it would be real. And I had to keep it quiet and I had to keep it to myself. And I remember the first time I did say it out loud, it did not go well. Um, People were, oh my God. And I felt like by saying it, I caused it. Now that it's out there in the air, it came out of my mouth. There we go. Keep in mind, I didn't even say autism at first, because I didn't know it was autism. I said something was wrong. And it was a day we were at the California pizza kitchen with a whole group of people. And he was leaning back and forth and kind of banging his chest against the table. And somebody's like, oh, that's really cute. And I was like, is it? Is it? I couldn't take it anymore. I got so tired of these things that I saw as red flags. Hands being flapped, noises he's making. Things that I thought were a sure sign that my child had special needs. And other people, oblivious to it, would be like, it's so cute, the way he flaps his little hands like that. What? No. I have nightmares about what's happening right now. And the reason I had nightmares was because I was afraid of what was coming next. I didn't know what was coming next. I couldn't envision a world where my son was 12, as he is today, and not talking. But now I'm living that life. He's 12, he's not talking, and it it's not anything that I pictured. It's difficult. There's difficulties that he's gonna face, that I face in interacting with him, trying to make sure that he's safe, and he's taken care of, and that he's happy. All of those things exist but it is not the end of our world. In fact, many things that he does and many parts of his personality because of autism make him sweet and make him loving. And I'm so glad that I have him. But what ends up happening is these meetings, these CSE meetings that I have, as he gets older and we start trying to figure out where he's going to go next, uh, how to help him live, how to help him you know, go out into the world and interact, who he needs in his life, what he needs in his life, all of these are difficult conversations. They're conversations that as a parent rip you at your core. This rips me at my core to talk about my boy this way, to talk about all the things he doesn't do because that's one of the weirdest parts about having a child with special needs or with autism is that so many of us, we have neurotypical kids. My daughter is 14, neurotypical as they say regular honors classes, all that stuff. And all you do is talk about the good things that she does. I tell people, she does this and she's amazing. And she knows she sings and she dances and she plays basketball. Oh my God, you should see her. But with my son and these meetings, I have to address everything he doesn't do. And they're on a checklist in front of you. And you read it and people read them to you. And they all try to frame it in the easiest way possible, which is a beautiful thing that they do, but as somebody who's been through it for years, I know what it is. They're like, he is so adorable. Lucas, a lot of his reports come and they begin with Lucas is an adorable, bright, loving, you know, 12-year-old boy. And then it goes into all the stuff he doesn't do. And it hurts. But it doesn't hurt me as much as I thought it would. And you know why? Because I started to get over each hump. And this is the most important part to having a child with autism or having a child um, with any special needs that initial feeling of worry about whether or not he had autism that that pit in my stomach pain that i used to feel when i was worried that he might have autism was something that was real and something that everybody goes through you should go through it if you're if you love your kid you want your kid to be 100% quote unquote perfect so if there's anything that you think especially when they're little is not right you should worry about your kid it doesn't make any sense not to so no one blames anyone for doing that but you got to get past it once you realize that this is reality. This is who my kid is. I have to accept autism acceptance, who this kid is, or I'm not gonna be equipped to go to these meetings and to handle these problems and to figure out where he goes next every step of the way. And that's what my son needed from me, and that's what I did. So even though, yeah, um, things are tough, when I have to talk about these things and things are difficult when trying to figure out where he goes next. And there's still, you'll always be a little part of you that, you know, if, if he doesn't do something completely right, you blame yourself a little bit, you worry about, am I doing this right? Am I doing that? All that stuff is completely normal. We're supposed to be like that. But it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about putting away that pain and that fear and that worry to do the best possible thing. For him, So that's what I do. That's my suggestion to everybody out there. Yeah, it's okay. You could be upset that your kid has special needs. You could be uh, sad that, you know, he was diagnosed with autism. But at a certain point, you got to put that away because you have to be an advocate for them. And you can't be an advocate if you spend every moment losing it over the thought that he can't do some of these things. Maybe one day he will. Maybe one day my kid will talk. Maybe he'll write a sonnet. Maybe he'll be on television. Maybe he'll do all these things. But until then, it's my job to lead him in the direction that's going to take him to that place. And I can't do that if I'm crying about what he doesn't do. It's not fair to him. And it's not fair to me. So yeah, that's my advice. Go out there, put your kid uh, before anything else, before any of your emotions, before any of that worry, and do what's best for them. That's what I'm doing for him. Hopefully you are too. Guys, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast again this week. We try to keep them short, short and sweet, get to the point. I'll be back next Friday with a brand new edition. And join me, man, on highblogomdad.com. Monday, Wednesday, I wrote about my daughter last week and interacting with her friends. So it's all over the place, man. Mental health, heart health, autism, parenting in general. It's all there. Thank you. Till next time, James Gutman. Be well. Bye, pod. I'm Dad.